Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We would be honored if you would join us. Hey everyone, welcome to another Top 10 Facts video. Today we're going to cover 10 facts about Luke. Now of course there are thousands of facts about Luke, especially in Legends, but today we're just going to choose 10. Now if you haven't seen my Top 10 Powers of Luke Skywalker, make sure to check that one out. I'm going to link it down below. It's pretty interesting and it's got a lot of different really crazy powers that you probably didn't know Luke had, including one that would have saved Anakin walking on lava. Starting off at number one today, we got the promise of Anakin was realized in Luke. According to George Lucas, Luke Skywalker had equal force potential as that of his father, had it not been for Anakin's injuries. Luke's potential was even higher than Yoda and Palpatine. The Jedi Master and Legends even learned from monks of a reclusive force sect how to bend space to instantly transport an object between places, similar to what we see Kylo and Rey do in The Rise of Skywalker, except much, much cooler and it made a lot more sense. Number 2. Luke's Childhood While Luke was growing up on Tatooine, his uncle Owen discouraged his adventurous nature, while his aunt Beru encouraged it in secret. She would take the young Skywalker to the holonet so he could experience what other planets and climates that weren't deserts looked like. By his teenage years, he shared his father's talent and passion for piloting, and was flying a T-16 Skyhopper and shooting Womp Rats with excellent precision. But while he was just 8 years old, thugs working for Jabba the Hutt knocked him out when he tried to stand up to them. But before they could do anything, Luke had a secret protector, that's right. Obi-Wan Kenobi, a mysterious hermit who dealt quickly and efficiently with the thugs and returned the young unconscious Luke to the safety of his home without the farm boy having any memory of Kenobi's good deed. Number 3. Tashi Station But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Luke famously whines to his uncle Owen in episode 4. Though it turned out just to be a throwaway line in the film, Originally, there was much more to it. There is in fact a deleted scene that takes place at Tashi Station. Luke is hanging out with his friends, including Biggs Darklighter, who shocks Luke when he tells him that he has decided to run away and join the Rebel Alliance. Luke has plans to enroll in the Imperial Academy as a pilot, but the scene does reveal that he has sympathies for the Rebellion. Though the scene was ultimately cut, Biggs did appear at the end of the film at the Rebel base on Yavin 4, and was part of the final assault on the Death Star, where he unfortunately was destroyed by Darth Vader. Number 4. Luke builds his lightsaber in Episode 6. Back in 1983, during the chaos on Jabba's sail barge in Return of the Jedi, audiences were surprised to see Luke ignite a green-bladed lightsaber. Until that point, the good guys had blue, and the baddies red. But there was actually a scene that took place before Luke's rescue of Han Solo that was cut from the film. You might have seen it in a few of my videos here or there where I've just overlaid it with my voiceover explaining things. Now in this deleted scene, Luke builds his own lightsaber and activates its green blade. It's a pivotal moment for the young Jedi Knight, as it shows how far he has grown in the Force, and yet 
is a grim reminder that he must still face his father again. Plus, we have all heard about how important a step it is for a Jedi to construct their own lightsaber, but we have yet to see it on the big screen. So we kind of did in this deleted one. Sort of. Now if you're wondering how Luke built his lightsaber, well I've got videos on that, but basically he took the instructions from Obi-Wan's journal, based on the schematics for how Obi-Wan built his lightsaber, which is why Luke's looks quite a lot like Obi-Wan's. And as for the crystal, well, my theory is that it's Qui-Gon's. Obi-Wan did take Qui-Gon's lightsaber with him to Tatooine, so I guess we'll just have to wait and see to find out. Number 5. Luke's age. It had been unclear exactly how old Luke Skywalker was in A New Hope, until his exact time of birth was revealed with the release of The Revenge of the Sith. The time gap between those two films is 19, which makes the struggling Jedi 22 by the time of The Empire Strikes Back, as it takes place three years after the Battle of Yavin, and just 23 when he faced Darth Vader for the final time in Return of the Jedi. However, even though he looks grizzled and withered by the time we see him again at the very end of The Force Awakens, he is actually just middle-aged. It's 30 years later and he is around 53, which means had he not died of Force exhaustion, he would have at least had five more decades ahead of him, though probably much longer because of the Star Wars universe's superior medical technology and of course the vitality of the Force. I mean if Palpatine did it, so could Luke. However, like his own mentor Obi-Wan, who was just 57 when he began training Luke, in episode 4 that is, we could say both Jedi Masters aged prematurely due to the harsh climates and rough conditions that they faced in their years of self-imposed exile. Combined with the guilt and stress of both having trained a student that destroyed their respective Jedi orders, you can probably understand why the wrinkles came so early. Of course, in reality, both the actors who portrayed the iconic Jedi Masters were older than their characters. Sir Alec Guinness, the man who played Obi-Wan, was 63 during the production of the first film, while Mark Hamill was 64 when he put on his Jedi robes once again. Number 6. How long was he on Dagobah? Speaking of time, an ongoing debate has been exactly how much time Luke spent training with Yoda on Dagobah. Since Vader's obsessive pursuit of the Millennium Falcon, and later, Han and Leia's adventure in Cloud City, are intercut with scenes of Luke's training, it doesn't really appear like the young Jedi spent much time in the swamp with the little green Grandmaster. Yet there is no clock or any type of marker that makes it clear exactly how much time has passed. Some sources say 6 months, as it balances the seemingly short time that passed for Han and Leia on Bespin with Luke's growth in the Force from his long and grueling training. Though Pablo Hidalgo, the creative executive of the Lucasfilm Story Group, suggests it might be possible that Dagobah exists outside of normal time because it is a four-strong location because in the novelization of The Empire Strikes Back, Luke's descent into Dagobah is described as entering a dream that is separate from the rest of the galaxy. Now to me that doesn't really mean that it's set in a different realm, it just kind of as a way of explaining the story, which really harkens back to what George Lucas always said about Yoda being this mystical wizard being that comes and goes throughout the story. So that kind of just seems like something that they wrote in the novelization back then, and I'm not really going to take Pablo's word for it. So I feel like there is no real realm difference in Star Wars, especially, you know, for a planet. 
Dagobah is a very dark side centric planet because of the things that happened there in the old comics with Minch Yoda and, and how he killed a dark side user on that planet, which then went to absorb his essence and, you know, created the Force Cave and the tree and all that. Which is the main reason why Yoda actually went there because it hid him from the galaxy. The dark side power on Dagobah was hiding his Force essence from the Emperor. Now, how long I think Luke spent on Dagobah? I think three months, I don't think anything more than two to three months, but that has yet to be clarified properly. Number seven, episode seven almost opened on Luke's severed hand. The opening of The Force Awakens was initially very different from what we got. At some point in the film's production, J.J. Abrams intended to start with a shot of Luke's severed hand floating in space over Jakku while it still clutched onto his father's blue-bladed lightsaber. The hand would then have been pulled through the planet's atmosphere, disintegrating on its way down, leaving just the saber intact as it crash-landed on the surface of the desert world. Before the scene ended, the audience would have seen an alien hand retrieve the lightsaber from the sand. Perhaps that was the hand of Maz Kanata. In the movie that was released, Maz promised to one day explain how she got hold of Luke's saber, but she never did. At least, not on the screen. Number 8. Mark Hamill played a Sith. Luke Skywalker was of course portrayed by the illustrious Mark Hamill, but the farm boy from Tatooine is not the only Force practitioner that he has played. Aside from his work on screen and stage, Mark Hamill has made a pretty successful career out of voice acting, including lending his voice talents to another iconic character, the Clown Prince of Crime and the Cape Crusader's greatest enemy, the Joker in Batman the animated series, and its various spin-offs, as well as in some of the Batman video games. But in Star Wars, aside from playing the greatest champion of the light side, in the animated series The Clone Wars, Mark voiced a bad boy whose vision led to the destruction of the Jedi and the rise of the Empire, the originator of the Sith Rule of Two, none other than the evil Darth Bane himself. Number 9. George Lucas's Original Plans for Luke most of George's notes for the sequel trilogy were abandoned by J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, and the rest of the Mickey Mouse Club at Disney, but according to Mark Hamill, at one point at least, Lucas had planned for Luke to live all the way through to the end of Episode 9. He was going to train Leia, as well as a new young apprentice named Kira, who was renamed Rey for the films. He would have died in Episode 9, which Mark Hamill revealed after the release of The Last Jedi that he would have preferred, as the actor put it. My first reaction was, can't we push this off until Episode 9? Luke eventually does the right thing selflessly for the good of the Rebel Alliance, and then I realized I should do the selfless thing for the betterment of the movie. Mark Hamill felt that Ryan Johnson's deconstruction of the Jedi and his character went against what Luke stood for. He didn't believe that the Jedi Master would give up after the destruction of his Jedi Academy and abandon his friends and family. I said to Ryan, Jedis don't give up. I mean, even if he had a problem, he would maybe take a year to try and regroup. But if he made a mistake, he would try and right that wrong. So right there we had a fundamental difference. But it's not my story anymore. It's somebody else's story. And Ryan needed me to be a certain way to make the ending effective. We probably won't get George Lucas's Luke Skywalker ever, but at least we have Dave Filoni and John Favreau carrying out the proper version of him. However you may feel about Luke's story arc, good or bad, there is no question which version Mark Hamill would have preferred. Number 10, George Luke. Have you ever noticed how George Lucas and Luke's names are kind of similar? 
It's not unheard of for creators to name a character after themselves, and George Lucas's favorite scene in all of Star Wars is when Luke Skywalker is looking out into the Binary Suns because it reminds him of himself and his own adventures, how he's always looking off into the horizon, wondering what adventure he's going to take next. But way back when George Lucas was in high school, his classmates gave him the nickname of Luke. Whether that played any part in him inserting the name into his various scripts for Star Wars or not, George Lucas has remained numb on the matter, neither admitting or denying this rumor. So make of that what you will. Hope you enjoyed this video on top 10 different facts about Luke Skywalker in and outside of Star Wars. Have an awesome rest of your day, and I will see you in the next episode of Star Wars Theory. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.